1: buckle up because metro is bringing you the best deal in wireless switch to metro and get your choice of two awesome free phones from top brands like samsung and lg with huge hd screens and tons of memory for all your pics and videos so hurry into metro and get your awesome free phones only at metro Plus sales tax and activation fee requires port of an eligible number not currently active on T-Mobile Network or active on Metro in past 90 days. Limit four per account or household. Restrictions apply. See store for details and terms and conditions.
2: This week on the Formation Lap, Ferrari suffers the least graziest ragazzi of the entire, whatever the Italian word is for season.
3: This week on the Formation Outlap podcast on the 2019 Brazilian Grand Prix Review where the only thing closer than Lance Stroll's Brazilian was the finish between a Harry Frenchman and Lewis Hamilton. Wait, who the <laughs> are these guys? <laughs> Play
1: the music. This is the Formation Lab.
2: Welcome one, welcome all to the Formation Lab podcast here from the ESPN studios, the only podcast available exclusively through Skype recordings with the Outlap F1 podcast. James, John, how are you guys doing?
0: We are doing freaking amazing, man! What a hell of a race we had, and stoked to be here. Glad we could team up with you guys, and uh, yeah, let's let's get into it.
3: Yeah, <laughs> I'm excited to uh, be here with you guys, and uh, a hell of a race weekend, like John already said. So I'm excited to get into it.
2: Absolutely, like I, I just, it's weird to me that um, this happened at this moment because you know I I occasionally take a peek at NASCAR and I have a lot of people who. I work with through the track who are big NASCAR fans and they were all hyped for the NASCAR finale. And I'm like, F one's got a meaningless race at, in my opinion, maybe the best track on the calendar. Uh where major people aren't even bothering to show up. Toto Wolf doesn't bother to show up. Maybe he should have. But uh <laughs> for some reason that gives us maybe the race of the race of the year for sure, the race of the last couple of years maybe. It was great. It had chaos. It had actual good racing. It had a completely unexpected result uh, for two-thirds of the podium, so I, I mean, let's just start off real quick if you guys had to give that a grade. I, I am going solidly in the A category.
3: Oh, for oh, sure. For definitely sure. with me. I'm, I'm I'm a high A uh, leaning towards an A+. Plus. And, and for me and John, we actually were at a, an F1 watch party with the Chicago F1 fans group um, that we've been with a few times. So just to be, I think The guy said there were 66 people there. So to be at a bar with 66 other Formula One fans watching that race just unfold was pretty incredible, especially, you know, the last like 15 laps of the race, (laughs) everybody's cheering and yelling and going crazy. So um, the race was good on its own. But then you add in the atmosphere and the people we were around on top of that. And it was probably my favorite race I've ever watched live.
2: Oh, it was it was something incredible. So let's uh, you guys want to dig into the teams, let's dig into the teams then. All right, so listed first yeah, up, yeah, into it. Yeah, listed first up is Ferrari. Uh, I, they're just always here, and the thing says Ferrari blew it yet again. Which I know you guys have a copy of this. I haven't had to change that Ferrari blew it yet again headline in four weeks. <laughs> 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 so I just copied it. Basically. While you at
0: the. Uh, the- go ahead oh, see so yeah, at the outlap f1 we had the analysis Paralysis Award, and uh, that literally was was dedicated to ferrari because so much of the year they just couldn't get out of their own way and sure enough here again things are just slowly starting to repeat themselves all over again it's full circle they
2: they literally can't get out of their own way like it i uh, let's let's dig into it all right so charles leclerc he starts p p14 after that 10 place grid penalty he immediately gets uh into uh, one of the best battles uh one uh, Just a great battle to start out with, uh, with Daniel Ricciardo. And if this was like any other race or most other races this year, uh, that would be a huge highlight. And we don't even focus on that battle. But uh, Leclerc had a had a great drive up until lap 66. And the same could be said for uh, Sebastian Vettel. I just don't think the cars were pacey enough for Ferrari. But I, I don't think you can fault either of the drivers at this point until lap 66, of course. <laughs>
0: yeah, of course, of course. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting that like, you know, it was just a few weeks ago, max threw out that kind of shady little comment in there talking about, yeah, maybe there's a little bit of of cheating going on or whatever the case may be. And I'm sure that a lot of that was just max via max, but it is interesting though, that ever since, you know, someone started talking about this, their pace has suddenly dropped off. So I don't know if, uh, you know, they did a little little preemptive changes uh, on their behalf and, and have therefore lost a little bit of pace, but you know, if you would have asked me a month ago who was, you know, the the favorite to win in Brazil, I would have put Ferrari up there as I have, you know, the last couple months. So, it's interesting that it's like single lap pace they still have it, but race pace has just gone away so much.
2: Yeah, that that fall off is interesting. It's interestingly timed, I think too. It's also interesting to me that. uh like once Ferrari drops off and here comes Red Bull out of nowhere on a track I didn't think they had really all that much of an advantage because it's such a that that first and third sector are just so power heavy so has, has anybody checked the like fuel flow rates for Red Bull is my question good
0: question yeah good question, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, good question. <laughs> maybe max was just trying to throw throw the attention back on Ferrari uh you know yeah, just like No, nah, he did it.
2: Yeah, look what they're doing. Don't look at what I'm doing. Just look at what they're doing. It's it's no biggie. You know, I mean, I'm totally fine. I I'm a rule-abiding citizen, but uh, we can only beat around the bush so long, though. Uh, let's talk about lap sixty-six. Let's talk about Ferrari versus Ferrari round two or three or how many ever they are. I mean, this is. I yeah,
0: know I've lost count at this point. Yeah. <laughs>
2: You know, sometimes it's Ferrari driver versus Ferrari driver. Sometimes it's Ferrari versus itself. It's always Ferrari versus Ferrari. And this time was interesting because usually I can point to a very clear blunder that they made. You know, a bad pit stop, a bad strategy call. Um, Charles Leclerc just, you know, cooking it into a corner or Sebastian Vettel just losing it, right? This was an interesting uh, incident. On lap 66, uh, once the cars had separated a bit after the restart – Ferraris, they they get a drag race on Rada Aposta, and uh, Vettel tries to overtake Leclerc, and they just touched ever so slightly, and it's an immediate double DNF. Uh, you knew Leclerc was gone from about second one, and then two, three seconds later, uh, Vettel's just blown his—I uh, think it was his left rear—and I I don't know who to assign blame to. It, it's it's just kind of a racing incident to me, don't you think?
3: I'm actually putting all the blame on uh, Sebastian Vettel for sure. Um, <laughs> I'm, no. I'm, I'm a shocker. I'm, no. I'm a Ferrari guy through and through. Um, I definitely lean heavy Charles Leclerc. Uh, but even unbiased, I mean, I don't know how you put any blame on Leclerc there. He held his line the whole way. Sebastian Vettel got a little cute there. Um, and like you said, it was just the smallest of little touches. Like I couldn't believe the way that tire just blew up. And like at the same time, the bar we were at just blew up because it was just boom. And then at first, you thought Vettel was fine. I was like, that bastard's going to get away with that one. And <laughs> then next thing you know, the camera goes to Vettel, and, and he's got the same issue. So it was kind of a, some quick redemption. Um, but I, I, all blames on Vettel. I don't know how you can say anything else. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I got I to gotta disagree know. with you, James, on this one. I don't know.
0: I, I leaned towards racing incident, but when it happened dead live, I think I leaned over to you at the bar and said – oh yeah that's, that's got to be on Vettel because you know the, the angle where they were coming at us it definitely looked like Vettel was drifting to the left and you know we just naturally assigned blame to that uh, and I, I think the bar erupted as well and thought the same but the more I went back and watched this and and saw the on I think Leclerc's onboard shot is the most interesting one to me because yeah clearly Vettel's coming over but at what point as a driver do you see so he's what, three quarters of a car ahead at that point. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like Leclerc's fronts to uh, Seb's rears. And at, at what point does Leclerc realize, okay, he's drifting towards me. I could hold my line here and, and be that guy. Or, you know, I can realize that he's already got three-fourths of a car on me perhaps i should live to fight another moment knowing that i've already passed him once i clearly have more pace than him i'm on the fresher tires i that's why i put it on a, a racing it i honestly i feel like they're both at fault but the thing is like you said it was just such a tiny tiny touch and the fact that it broke uh leclerc's suspension as well that was a shocking i don't know if it was the tire disintegrating that then took out the suspension or if it looked heavier of a touch than what we thought, but that was the surprising thing, it's just how quickly and how fragile that front end was to just go out like that, but again, I if it was me, if I was in that car, I would have realized okay, I, I've lost this particular battle, let me pick, you know, let, me, let me try to win the war and, and slide myself over just slightly, but LeClaire uh, you know, we've seen things in the past he's not afraid to hold his line regardless of the
2: situation, so I'm starting to wonder what it is with Ferrari suspensions because, I mean, I I do want to focus on that a little bit. It was a slight touch, and I would expect—I shouldn't say expect. I'm not surprised that both tires blew, right? I mean, that's such a fast—you know, it's a fast track. You're going fast. You're on the middle of the straight. Touching is just dangerous. But that suspension failure, I feel like it is interesting, especially coming off of Sebastian Vettel's suspension failure in the last race in the United States. I, I feel like— Maybe there's just something about those uh that suspension in the Ferrari car right now that's just weaker than usual because that's what got me. Unless a piece of the tire hit it, and even then it would have to be, you know, a hefty chunk. Uh it's weird to me that they had two suspension failures at two weird points in two consecutive races.
0: It makes me wonder, are they are they going a little light on material to just try to save some weight? and kind of cutting corners as best they can to make that car as streamlined and as aero efficient as possible but you know making it at the sacrifice unfortunately of some of these key components i mean you've got a little bit of you know you got a little bit of play there but at what point is is too much enough and you're right two two uh, failures obviously it was the right rear i think it was yeah. at coda and then uh, front right this time so it is interesting just that um, you know, back to back weeks and seemingly nothing ha- happened to either one of them. I and mean, they were just, they both look so innocent in the fact that they turned out to be spectacular in nature, the the outcomes of them.
2: Yeah, I just, I, I gotta scratch my head here. And Ferrari's gotta be kicking themselves too. Uh, the next thing was, uh, you know, obviously they both, you know, DNF, they're both out of the race at that point. I would think that these last two races for Ferrari were really important to them because. I was looking at the standings. I know, I know we talked about this last week was that Ferrari, Charles Leclerc was still holding on to third place in the, in the driver's championship. And I mean, you know, granted first and second are locked up. You know, there's no question about that, but you would think that you'd want to be on that podium still. And obviously they do, but they just, they throw it away. And Max Verstappen is now in third place. And for a time of season that, you're not fighting for everything, but you are still fighting for something. Ferrari fails to lock, you know, fails to lock in, lock down. I don't know if I expected them, you know, to lock in and lock down, but it, it's just one of a increasingly long list of things that I questioned about. Just the nature of how the team is in, in its own head, maybe, or how the staff is organized, because it's just kind of a a free for all, a crap show, if you will.
0: I wonder if anyone other than James thought that Sebastian <laughs> Vettel would end up P five potentially at the end of the year. I mean he's uh what, nineteen points behind Leclerc at the moment. You gotta think with one race left, there's a probably a good chance that he's locked into that P five range. So um yeah, I I sure as heck wouldn't have predicted it. You know, I didn't think I, I didn't think top necessarily, but I thought certainly in the two to three range uh, was more than more than feasible for him. So to be P5,
3: it's, it's a little shocking to me, honestly. Yeah, and I think that probably played a part in what Vettel was trying to do. Um, being 19 points behind Leclerc, I'm sure he wanted to beat him, get a couple more points, and have a chance at the end, uh, the final race here in a couple of weeks, to to finish the season ahead of him because you know he doesn't want to finish behind um, this young gun, new Ferrari driver. Um, so I'm wondering if that played a part in his overall aggressiveness, um, especially at that moment. Uh, because i i mean i don't know how else to explain it and it was really a bummer for me because I, I i was feeling good about leclerc's shot at finishing third um and winning these this so-called for uh formula 1.25 championship since it's essentially been locked up by mercedes since i don't know like the 5th or 6th race it seems like
2: yeah something around there but yeah i i wonder how much i i mean we've talked at large i know you guys have i think everybody here has talked about um, the the yips that Sebastian Vettel seems to have. And uh, I'm wondering, as a Ferrari fan uh, who entered with low expectations of Sebastian Vettel, I'm wondering if that Ferrari pressure is just to him and, and, like, he's just over it. Like, it's just so stressful for him. And that that made him desperate at this race. And that's where we see this kind of gutsier move that, you know, blew up spectacularly in their face.
0: See, I kind of take a different approach because, you know, looking back to the Red Bull days, uh, obviously, you know, when he had the young gun coming at him, it seemed like things, kind of a similar fashion, things started to seem to crumble a little bit and almost seemed like he sort of laid down there in the last, you know, stint with Red Bull. And I I honestly thought we were going to have the same thing here with Ferrari. It seemed like he was just kind of, you know, just just laying down, letting the clear to kind of take over. And you started to see that, really that shift in that number one driver potentially and who was really going to be the, the quote, you know, leader on that team. But as a non-Ferrari fan, uh, and I, I mean this sarcastically and not, I have enjoyed the fight that Sebastian Vettel has put up. I've, I've learned, uh, James, I was telling you the other day, since, you know, I despised Sebastian Vettel during the Red Bull days uh, because it was like, which is probably what you guys feel like about me right now with Lewis Hamilton. <laughs> it was like every week he was freaking winning and I was like, ah, make it stop. But as he's become, I think, older and I've seen some of him, you know, going through more adversity and things just haven't been quite uh handed to him like perhaps they were in some years, I kinda like this pushback and this little bit of a fight that we've seen, you know, at Singapore and things like that where he's not just moving over. He's not just giving up places, what was it? Uh Sochi where he you know he was like, Well if he can catch me he can pass me so I, I personally have enjoyed that side of Sebastian Vettel that I feel like we hadn't seen in quite some time. Now, unfortunately, it, you know, there was that whole stint last year with all the spin gate and everything else going on, or it seemed like he couldn't get get himself out of his own way. But uh, it's it's been interesting as trying to be more of an objective outsider as someone who doesn't have a dog in that particular fight. I, I kind of like that there, there has been a little bit of that oomph back in him.
2: I got to say I- – if there wasn't that umph back in Sebastian Vettel and Ferrari just kind of had a clear one, a clear two, and two just laid over to one, so to speak, right? Um, this first season of of our podcast, and I'm sure of your guys' podcast, would be uh, devoid of a lot of in- entertaining content. <laughs> yeah,
3: for that's a sure. very good point. For sure, <laughs> it's it, it's
2: been an absolute gift to because like last last year was good, but I feel like this year has especially it's had the, that that so many good races and the drama has just been so ridiculously through the roof. You're never at a at a at a loss of what to talk about. Just look up, you know, Google Ferrari and there's 10 stories that are like, "Oh, wow, they're exploding on the inside." But uh let's let's kick it over to the other team that exploded on the inside in this week, Mercedes. I just it was such a non-Mercedes week. I was struck by that while I was watching it was there was just this feeling that Toto's gone, and now we are, now now we're you know vulnerable to kryptonite or whatever it is. They they just were not Mercedes this week. That seemed like an entirely different team.
0: Yeah, they were just sort of. I mean, qualifying didn't look bad, obviously, mm-hmm. but it, you could tell just throughout the weekend that they just weren't quite themselves. I think you know, like you're saying there, but. I think especially when it came down to strategy calls, you know, we've, there's been some questionable things as a Mercedes fan. I've seen some questionable things over the years, you know, thinking back to what China a few years ago when, uh you know, they had an opportunity to pit under a safety car and didn't. I think Daniel Ricardo came in and just wiped the field uh, clean after, after pit stops, things like that, that have always stood out to me of really questionable calls, especially around safety cars and, and really making proper judgments about how much, how many cars a driver or a you know uh, a driver may lose as far as positions go and kind of what tires to put on and when to pit when not to pit but you're right it it did seem like they had completely lost their mojo throughout the entire weekend um, and you know it, it, it certainly showed on track now Boats asked you know I know they're running hot I know they were down on power um, and you know there's been a lot of talk this week about how you know they came out and said listen we've designed our turbo to to make to maximize the best we can across the entire race calendar and we know that there's going to be some tracks especially those that maybe higher out al- al- elevation or elevation that perhaps you know don't necessarily fit us quite so well um but it is kind of weird to judge their or difficult to judge their race weekend because they definitely had more pace than Ferrari which i don't think anyone would have anticipated just a few weeks ago um but they they definitely looked outclassed by Red Bull um, which seeing you know the progression of Honda over the years I think we're all a little shocked by that
2: yeah no doubt i i think when i when i think of how un mercedes like it really comes down to two things and that's that i've i've said multiple times that the 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 backbone of their championship runs are built on two things and that is most of the time their sound strategy i know you said you know there's some questionable calls here and there over the years but for the most part if mercedes is doing it it's the optimal strategy right i mean certainly at a higher clip than any other team on the grid and the other thing i you know i've, I've said is that their their championship run it, it, their championships not even run their championships have been built on reliability so for them to have both of those things just like blow up in their face you know in the same race man, toto had to be sitting there in europe just I mean, fuming, right? He had to be just pounding his fist through like tables, <laughs> demanding a person to bring him a second table, pounding a fist through that table. <laughs> I mean, I feel bad for, you know, the the carpentry industry over in Germany.
0: It would have been nice for Sky Sports to have a little webcam over there in Toto's <laughs> office during the race and just flip <laughs> over there to see him pounding and breaking stuff. Yeah, I, I, I agree, though. I mean, so Mercedes teams have always been I mean, they're, you know, they're the classic German, you know, they're they're technical, they're they're precise in every single thing when everything goes to plan, I guess, as far as like not having a whole lot of variables in place, they can look at a picture prehand and say, okay, this is exactly what we're going to do. And you're right. Nine, nine times out of 10, maybe more than that. Even they seem to be spot on, on when they pit and how they pit and what tires and what strategy they start on things like that. Um, it just seems like when things get thrown at them, curveballs get thrown out to them. You know, I saw your, you heard your baseball analogy last week in your preview episode. Um, you know, when those things happen, I feel like they are not capable for whatever reason of thinking on the fly. And it seems like I don't know if it's because the organization is so big and there's too many, too many chiefs, and no one can just make the decision. So yeah, pit him or you know, don't pit him or whatever the case may be. But it seems weird that in these tight situations when they need to make a decision in a split second, they it seems like they more times than not they they seem to be making the wrong decision uh, in the last few years.
2: Yeah, it, it's. It's just its a weird, It's just kind of this whole weird vibe of a weekend, and I don't know. Maybe that is because they are so technical and they're so precise that, you know, to plug your award, they get this analysis paralysis when something goes wrong and they just can't fly by the seat of their pants because they have to weigh all their options and want to measure it, but uh, that to me would make sense, but I, I, I really don't know uh, what the excuse would be for not being able to think on the fly. Because it seems like a lot of the other a lot of the other teams uh, do that, you know, w- without a, without problem. So, uh, Valtteri Bottas, we we hinted at it earlier. His race en- ends when his engine smokes on lap fifty four. Uh, this year, I watched this and I said, when's the last time we saw a Mercedes mechanical failure? And uh, uh, their last DNF was Germany of this year. Of course, everybody crashed out of Germany, and it wasn't a mechanical failure, so I'm not going to count that. That doesn't count, right? Uh, their last mechanical DNF was in Austria in 2018. And the one before that was Spain of 2017. And like, like I said, you know, their, their, their championship runs are built on the back of this reliability. So, you know, when you see one go down, you, you know, better look at this, better look at the sky. You might see a shooting star or something, buy a lottery (laughs) ticket. Um, Lewis Hamilton had a puzzling race too. Uh, let's break down. We talked about their failure in strategy. Let's actually talk about what, what it was, um, I don't think he had the pace to take Verstappen. I don't think that's that's a question. But the what really got me was the pit stop strategy. So, Botas you know, wrecks out uh Hamilton stays out under that safety car, right? And Hamilton uh decides to stay out. Uh Verstappen pits, Hamilton stays out. Verstappen just had this pace all weekend that he got he got Hamilton back within, you know, what was it, two laps, I think.
0: Yeah, wasn't much more of that.
2: Yeah, uh, Hamilton then, you know, uh, the Ferraris go out. Hamilton decides, hey, we're going to come back in. You know, we're going to come in for new tires. And and even the – usually when the Sky Sky Sports commentators are pointing this out and going, that's a really weird move. (laughs) You know, it's like, oh, that's really bad if they're going, why are you doing this? But, uh, (laughs) you know, he decides to go in and it wasn't even clear at that moment if the race would resume under green. If it would even, you know, get started back up, and even then, I think it was four laps left. Yeah, four laps left when there's a when he when he made that pit stop and he was still under yellow. And I just I wonder what that was. I know I looked up uh, a radio transmission where a whoever was in charge of Lewis that week uh, said, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna miss one spot," and he actually went back two. But I just. Even then, I don't think that's enough to explain why you would skip out on the better opportunity for an opportunity that I would even question making, right? Why Why would you even go in at that point?
0: Well, yeah, there's so many risk factors there. You know, obviously, uh, it, all it takes is one thing, one minor thing to go wrong, and we've seen it throughout the year, one minor thing to go wrong in the pit stop, and that could have easily been a DNF. Uh, you know, we've, like I said, we've seen it across multiple teams, but then... You know his best chance for trying to win that race, in my opinion, would have been, obviously, if Max isn't pitting, would have been to try to attempt to stick with him on the mm. restart, which would have been questionable given the pace we've seen. But certainly, knowing that even if he had to pass one card, I know he got past, um, trying to think who it was, pretty quickly, Albon or something like that. But either way, if you, you know that's just one more obstacle. That that's one more split second that Max can get out, and and once Max has, you know, a second or a second and a half on you it was game over on Sunday. So yeah, that, I mean, I was selling James live during the race. I'm like, I don't think they're even going to get this thing, you know, back started. I was, I was honestly puzzled when it went green. I think sky sports was a little surprised when it went back green. I think they were, they were confused as to what exactly was going on as well because it restarted so quickly. But yeah, I, that was, (laughs) I was scratching my head on that one. I was, I was quite confused. And then obviously that led to the whole mess after, uh, as he's trying to get back up to Rissappen. But uh, yeah, not not my uh, proudest moment as a Ferrari, or excuse me, as a Mercedes fan in that moment.
2: <laughs> as somebody who I like to say I just enjoy a good old-fashioned crap show, right? I don't say crap, but you know <laughs> what I'm saying. Uh, I, I, I just like to watch drama a lot of times, and this was A-grade drama because Lewis Hamilton makes a very un-Mercedes error in pit stop strategy. He comes back, and he drives off Albon, and the second on lap, on lap uh, 70 on Bico de Pato, I believe it's called um he hits he hits he hits Albon Albon goes out and like you can just sense I wasn't on Reddit I wasn't on Twitter at that point you could just sense that I'm like oh man my phone is overheating right now from like what is going on online <laughs> because Albon Albon was riding his riding towards his first ever podium and you know like him or not Hamilton isn't exactly the most beloved figure in Formula One, shall we say? Uh, He's not in Brazil. Yeah, no, exactly. (laughs) Really, though. (laughs) But uh, it's... You could just sense the drama, and you knew it wasn't over, but to watch him take off Albon was interesting. I will give him this credit, though. Lewis Hamilton immediately owned up to it. I don't... I think he didn't even fight the stewards because he immediately admitted that it was his fault, and the stewards just handed him the time penalty. There was no appeal. There was no nothing. So I thought, you know, bad beacon for Lewis Hamilton, but honestly, from a PR standpoint, from a I don't really like him standpoint, I'm like I got to give him props for being a man about it.
0: Yeah, I think he earned a lot of respect from other drivers, and then Ross Braun came out and said he, you know, he wishes more drivers would be like that and just kind of, you know, like you said, man up to when you make him a mistake. You know, it's it's few and far between with with Lewis, and hopefully, you know, it's it stays that way throughout the rest, of the remainder of his career, for my sake at least. Um, but yeah, I mean, you, you love him or hate him, I think people still have to give him props for uh everything i read is that he he did uh turn down entirely the opportunity to go and plead his case to stewards. he he literally just you know owned up to it right then and there and said give me the time penalty it's coming my way i know it is i'm not going to fight it and then i thought it was cool i saw on one of the onboard shots of the cars uh in part for may that he immediately sought out albon and and went directly to him to apologize you know helmets are still on it's literally just hopped out of the car and immediately just sought him out so I thought one thing that was interesting, though, I read today, which I didn't hear until just this afternoon, he was given two penalty points on his license for that. Uh, I want to get your guys' thoughts on that. Yeah, I was – and given that Sebastian Vettel, who has quite a few penalty points of his own, (laughs) apparently did not receive anything for that particular incident. You know, we're talking about whose fault it is. Uh, No penalty points assigned to that. Uh, Nothing to Danny Rick or anything that had similar type things throughout the race. I thought it was interesting that, that Lewis got two for this.
3: Yeah, that did seem pretty harsh to give him two penalty points for that, especially with everything else that went on um, that wasn't penalized, like you just mentioned. Um, but I'm going to say he deserved it just because he, he probably provided <laughs> one of the biggest heartbreaking moments of the season for me was, was seeing Elbon go from his first podium to uh, to nothing. Uh, so that was a huge heartbreaker there. And, and, and you know, I, I'm glad he accepted well, just because we We've had an ongoing bet. <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, that made it a little bit worse, I guess. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm glad he accepted the blame for it and all that. But if he really wanted to be cool, he would have never even gone up to the podium and let Carlos Sainz go up there like he deserved. Um, and so we could have seen two first podium finishers at once and, and seen a real party up there. But, um, you know, all for not. at, le- at least uh, Sainz got his his due shortly thereafter. Yeah. yeah. Well,
0: I mean, I think when it comes to penalty points, in my mind, I feel like those should be for intentional stupid uh reckless type moves you know thinking uh like the stroll sebastian situation what was that at monza uh
1: Mm.
0: where that was just a complete cluster of all sorts um thinking situations like that where you're you're literally putting other other drivers in harm's way as a result of your actions uh that i certainly think deserve penalty points Seeing a window and diving for it and then saying, oh, crap, that window is closing abruptly and, and causing contact. You know, that's I, I don't know. Maybe I'm being a homer and I'm sure I'll get called that after this episode. It won't be the first time won't be the last either. But <laughs> I, I feel like that's a little a little brush from, from for the one. Um, I don't know. Maybe they just thought hey, he's a champion now. We got to be consistent. You know, we, we people say we're not harsh enough on Lewis Hamilton. This is our we finally have an opportunity to give him a little hate. So here it is.
2: I don't know. I'm not going to call you a homer because I don't like Lewis Hamilton. I respect him. It's the end of Anchorman where it's like deep down inside, I really hate you, but dang it, do I respect (laughs) you, right? Um, But I'm going to say two points is very steep. I, I I don't agree with that at all because to me, that's such a harsh disincentive to dive for a gap now. You know, like like think about it. I mean. That two points is huge, but usually that's a disincentive, right? You want the driver being like, if I do something stupid, not only am I going to get us, you know, injured, but I'm going to get, you know, two points on my license and you know have you know maybe have it revoked or suspended for a little bit. But what are we disincentivizing here? The the fact that he saw a gap. I mean, there was a gap there to start with, and obviously not to end with. But it, are you disin- It feels like they're disincentivizing me the ability to shoot for a gap, and. I mean, I, I think a five-second time penalty was more than enough. Um, not more than enough. It was, it was entirely appropriate because I don't think of that as something ridiculously outlandish like the Monza situation. I just think of that as a racing incident. I think that's that to me is a less controversial move than even, even the Canada incident with Vettel, right? Like in Canada, there was all this argument over, you know, did he or didn't he? I feel like there's a little more oomph behind that than there is giving giving Hamilton two points here.
0: So I thought it was interesting that when you look at the two uh, situations between you know the Ferraris and then Lewis and Albon, that if I'm not mistaken, had Sebastian Vettel received a penalty point on Sunday, I think he would be parked for the final race of the year based on penalty points and his uh, allocations that he's received throughout the year. So I thought it was interesting when you have a, a situation that causes a double DNF versus a situation that neither one of them DNF'd. I know it was uh, unfair and and unfortunate for Albon, and I I personally feel quite heartbroken for Albon. Um, But I thought that was interesting that that received penalty points but not the double DNF. And I, I do feel like maybe there was a little bit of a bias there. It seems like when teammates take each other out, the FIA seems to take a little bit of a step back. And say, okay, you know, they've they've already been punished enough, or something like that. I don't know what their their approach to that is. So perhaps if it had been Seb and someone else, I think Seb probably would have gotten some penalty points off that. But uh, maybe because he took his teammate out, they they decided to go hands off and let it let them be handled internally, I guess.
2: I tell you what, if I'm, if I'm Sebastian Vettel and I have to drive Abu Dhabi next week for absolutely nothing meaningful, um, <laughs> I'm just going, hey, can you give me just a point right now, and I'll just miss Abu Dhabi. It's all good. And what, what am I going to miss? Get 18, yeah, 18 right-angle corners. It's all good. Don't worry about it, guys. <laughs> uh, how have we not – have we talked about Lewis Hamilton this thus far and not talked about the drag race, the end? My word. Let's Let's move into this. Pierre Gasly is riding second after uh, I mean let's be honest a lot of help from the uh, uh, the Ferraris right He's riding second place and Lewis Hamilton is hunting him down he's got a little bit of front wing damage um that perhaps affected him more in that sector 2 that's so tight and twisty um but Lewis Hamilton comes out of Kao and just makes this rate makes this you know Drag race between him and Pierre Gasly, and Pierre Gasly, P two guys. I mean, congratulations, Pierre. That, that was yeah. that was awesome.
3: A round of applause. No, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. But and uh, that, that was easily the hardest I've ever rooted for a Frenchman in my life, <laughs> and, and possibly also the last.
2: The last time I think the last time I think uh, America cheered that loudly for a Frenchman was probably during the Revolutionary War.
3: <laughs> yeah. it's, it, it's been a while,
0: a few hundred years, something like that. <laughs> But I mean, mean, even as a Hamilton fan, I was I was applauding Gasly. I mean, I was shocked when they came to the drag. Yeah. You know, like you said, the damage makes sense. Sector two, obviously, is going to be impacted. Sector three, I would have thought for sure that little bit of wing damage would not have impacted. So it literally looked like we were Honda versus Mercedes. Finally, some, you know, true on, you know, good old American style drag racing up the hill to the finish line mm-hmm. and to see a Honda come out on top. Wow. I, I would have never predicted that. Not, not in the long run. I don't Mercedes, like I said, we, they, they were dealing with temperature issues all, all day. Um, you know, they, I heard multiple alerts going back and watching the race of, of radio commentary to both Lewis and Valtteri talking about, you know, temperatures are critical and things like that and maybe maybe just came down to the fact that Honda for these type tracks are just built better and better suited for these these type situations and but yeah i mean <laughs> who would have thought that gasly uh, when when he made the switch between gasly and albon and he got demoted back who would have ever thought that gasly would be the first one to get on the podium <laughs> i know i sure as heck didn't
2: it's it's silly because i I'm, I'm sitting here having gone on record as alexander albon is a is a contender for my driver of the year right like the the way he stepped into a brand new car with little to no experience and and has wheeled that sucker is incredible and here i am eating my own words we're we're not located in the our normal studio right now so our our wall of our wall of shame is across the hallway but um i i i got up and i moved pierre gasly off the wall of shame i didn't even ask for permission from anybody Pierre <laughs> Gasly got just yanked off, and I think not only, you know, was it was it was great driving by Gasly, but that engine power is interesting to me because I really don't think that that front wing had anything to do with that drag race, right? If it did affect it, I mean, it's by the smallest possible margin, and it really made, would have made a difference in, in, you know, Sector 2, but Sector 3 is just it, – it's all power all the time. So I just – I think – that at the very least, to whatever Mercedes was hampered with, they still probably had um, better arrow on that drag race, or at least equal as you know the Red Bull B team Toro Rosso, right? I think that that Toro Rosso, the way that the the arrow is set up, is below Mercedes anyway. So any they, any damage that that wing did, more or less, just took it closer to the Toro Rosso. But let's let's pretend for a second that even. Even that did damn Even that winglet damage did have that big of an effect, right? Um, the fact that Honda's even that close to Mercedes was eye-opening. Let alone even, let alone the fact that they won the drag race. The fact that they're even that close is is wild to me to think about, considering where they've been in the last couple years.
0: I think that's been the interesting point. You know, we James and I were talking the other day. You know, they've been strategic throughout the year, and they've taken some kind of heartbreaking grid place penalties along the way, both on the the factory Red Bull team and obviously with Toro Rosso as well. Uh, and we talked in the beginning of the year, like, we were curious to see how much Toro Rosso was going to be used as guinea pigs by Honda. Obviously, last year, they you know, definitely were. There was a lot of experimental stuff going on by Honda to try to see, you know, what worked and what didn't and saw a lot of blowups along the way. But I mean, good on them for maximizing it and, and taking a step back and knowing, okay, there there are certain tracks where we know we could be very competitive at. Let's really think through this and plan our upgrades uh, accordingly because of that. And, you know, it, it paid off because every single one of, you know, kafi it was a little off pace, you know. But for the most part, the Hondas were... Or the, you know, the top of the hill when it came on Sunday in, in power, which I would have never predicted. To see Max Verstappen blow by Lewis Hamilton twice in a race uh, and then to see a drag race between Pierre Gasly and a Mercedes, uh, yeah, you could write that script.
3: Yeah, it was definitely incredible for Honda and, and really gets me excited for next year. You know, A lot of the talk is about how excited we are for 2021, but um, the way this second half of the season has played out, um, we might really be in in store for something really exciting in 2020 if uh you know red bull can keep this going with honda if ferrari can ever get you know their heads out of their butts uh, for more than a few (laughs) races at a time uh it could it could really be exciting just next year going into the 2021 regulations yeah
2: yeah you know it always seems to work out that way doesn't it where you write these new rules and you're like all right you know this is this is what it's going to be and then right before that it's like (laughs) oh dang it we just got to the good part (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's a good point but uh yeah let's talk about Red Bull then uh Max I mean we talked we said he, he blew by Lewis a couple of days and that's really um to me also shows the might of the Honda more so maybe than the Pierre Gasly drag is the fact that Lewis looked like a, a freaking taxi cab out there <laughs> like the the way he wasn't slow but the way Max was driving this whole weekend was just I, I didn't expect that kind of pace out of that car. I think Max
0: was truly out for redemption from 2018.
2: Mm. Yeah,
0: you know, when you know after the the Ocon incident, um I'm sure that he's had some sleepless nights and has definitely not, you know, it, it's been there definitely still fresh enough on his mind that he surely has not forgotten a, a race that he he threw away himself. So uh, you know, as a, as a somewhat closeted Master Verstappen and fan myself, uh, I was thrilled to see, see the pace up there, you know, and Lewis talked about, I know he complained on the radio that he, like apparently he had no battery when coming off the first safety car restart. And, you know, so I was like, all right, well maybe that's explains a little bit, but for it to happen twice uh, I, during the race, um, cl- clearly, you know, the pace was there and, and Max was, was the guy to beat, um, to see him and Albon in, in 2020 when we roll into that, uh, I, I, as long as those two don't turn into a Ferrari situation where <laughs> we've got two guys fighting for number one, that that could be one exciting team.
3: Yeah, as long as long especially as long as Red Bull can get off to a good start next year, I think is going to be the key. Because if they can start off um, in a good way, clearly they can finish strong. So that, that, that's what I think the key is going to be next year. Yeah, good point.
2: Yeah, I I agree. I think I I don't see them turning into a Ferrari situation. Um, just the personality of Charles and Vettel differs to me so diff so much from Alex from Alex and, and Max, especially Alex. I don't feel like Alex is the kind of guy to just like yeah, let's get into you know a, a teammate fight. You know, I don't see that out of him personality wise. But you know, you throw you throw everybody in a pressure cooker that is F one and. Uh, something's going to happen, but, you know,
3: for, well, sorry, but for me, it's not so much the drivers in this equation, but the leadership. Mm -hmm. And if you look Mm -hmm. at Christian Horner and Helmut Marko, they're not going to deal with the stuff that um, as, as John likes to call him Harry Potter over at Marinello, Um, (laughs) you know, he's, he's a weak leader as we've discussed many times on our podcast, but, you know, Christian Horner and Helmut Marko aren't going to play those games. So, um, I think their leadership is what's going to allow Red Bull to really blossom with these two young studs.
2: Yeah, I, I would, I, I would agree. I would agree with that. Uh, do you guys want to move on to McLaren? Let's get over to McLaren. Let's get over to what I like to call the uh, the, the teams that they just had a less interesting weekend, shall we say? Uh, McLaren had an interesting weekend. Obviously, we've gotten through the bulk. It took us forty minutes to dissect Mercedes, <laughs> Ferrari, and Red Bull. <laughs>
3: but it's pretty typical for us <laughs>
2: <yeah>. <laughs> but uh, let's talk about uh mclaren they had, they had a, a rough start in the in the qualities uh they ended up with kind of a mis- mixed bag carlos Sainz had an is- engine issue in q1 he failed to log a lap uh lando norris bumped in q2 but science takes his p20 he starts i mean he took it in stride and even without hamilton getting a, a penalty to move carlos up into the uh podium position um he still had an incredible drive. P twenty to P four is, is something a stud does, and that is that's what he is.
3: That, not just that, Carlos Signs is just a gangster um, <laughs> all all year long. He's just incredible, just a silent assassin, <laughs> week in and week out.
2: We uh, we we like we uh, like to call Lando Norris. Um, it's Spider Man around here, just because he reminds us of a Peter Parker type of driver. Carlos Sainz <laughs> is like James Bond; he's just a smooth opera. He's just under the radar until all of a sudden you look up and bang, he's got gotcha, you. You know, oh, yep. it was it was incredible. Uh, Spider Man didn't have too good of a weekend though. Uh, Lando Norris, a bit of a rough time. He was just so slow. He let uh, Carlos Sainz by intentionally. He said he was. Uh, Word I probably shouldn't say uh, because this is you know, a company that employs me, slow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> slow ass. Yeah, yeah slow. Insert word. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's funny because we have – obviously we have very strict FCC rules across the hallway over the air. We can say whatever we want on air, but we're all just like so trained and we don't want to poke the bear so to speak of – of corporate that were just like, yeah, no, we know we have free reign here, but we're not going to say it. It's all good.
0: <laughs> Let him say it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, you know, I think they said something immediately after the race, they, they thanked him for letting science through and I, I'm trying to think exactly what he said. It was something to the nature of, you know, he, he, he didn't do it because he had to or something like that. It was more just because he realized, and that's when he's like, you know, I'm, I'm slow. I'm, I'm ridiculously slow. And he's like, it's not your guys' fault. It's, it's things that I'm doing. I'm not getting the most out of this car. (laughs) Clearly, you know, as science is moving up from, from P 20 to end up P three on the podium, uh, in, in identical cars, you know, you can clearly see that that science is mastered Mm -hmm. and and learning to get the most out of that. But yeah, I, I feel bad for land. We, we, we love Lando over on our podcasts and, uh, Love following him online. He's probably the most comical driver out there on the grid. Love his Twitch stuff and and Instagram and everything else. So we want him to be successful. But you know, a few weeks ago, James brought up a good point. Like, he's worried as a Lando fan. Does he have that kind of killer instinct? Mm. And at the time, I was you know my I said, well, you know maybe you know he's not really fighting science this year. They're not fighting for a championship. Come 2021, when they got a Mercedes powered engine in the back, you know things might be a little bit different. But I'm starting to to wonder if we're starting to see a a little bit of the crack in Lando. It seems like he's starting to get in his own head a little bit and starting to beat himself up, which scares me as a fan of him, uh, seeing where we hope to him to
3: progress in his career and where things could end up. Well, you know, I I was going to bring that up as well because we did see a little bit of the killer in him, I thought, at the beginning of the race um, with a nice little battle with Leclerc there, which obviously he's not going to come out on top there, but it, it was nice to see him actually not just, you know, move out of the way for Leclaire, um, And then he got into a little bit with Ricardo. So that was nice to see. Um, but yeah, at the end of the day, he kind of just gave it up towards the end. Um, maybe, you know, I kind of want to give him a break. It's the longest season he's ever been a part of. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe for him, he really needs this, this nice long winter break. And hopefully he can, you know, clear his head, refresh and, and, and get ready to go.
2: Well, I think, too, that the part of the thing is he's so he's so young, you know, and I think that regardless of sports, young athletes only turn into great athletes when you put them in kind of a pressure cooker and you you Mm got to put them in the oven and let them bake for a while, you know, and I think he's I think he's in the oven. But I think that this kind of challenge that the getting in your own head, the the obstacle to overcome um, until I I know that he's failed that obstacle. uh, I don't know if I'm going to count that against him, though. I mean, I think. You can point to a lot of a lot of drivers, a lot of athletes who are just like, yeah, you know, my soft I had a sophomore slump or, you know, my third year, they figured me out. But, you know, I I made the I made the conscious effort that I need to get better. And I think that's that might be what he's going through right now. You know, he's so young. There's just it's hard to judge that it's hard to judge negatively against him for this kind of thing at such a young age. You know, I think killer instinct is a thing that maybe develops over time as well.
0: Yeah, and that's the thing. It's like we don't know the situation that, you know, what's what's going on behind closed doors, what mm-hmm. conversations that are had. I mean, it's very possible that they've that at the beginning of the season they've laid it out very black and white for him and said, listen, we need you to get the most you can out of this car. We need you to be that the ultimate teammate this year. We need to – we know we're not in a situation to win a championship. We are fighting Renault for the best of the rest, and we need you to just do – have fun out there and do what you can to help contribute to that. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, maybe, maybe the pressure is not on at the moment. Uh, maybe he's starting to put his own little bit of pressure on there, but, you know, I think it seems like they have raised those two drivers very well when they've, when they've gotten them together and that there is a really fun and conducive environment uh, over at McLaren, which we didn't see for a long time. So, you know, perhaps this is just <clears throat>
3: their level setting with him hey, for this year and he can start fresh in 2020. You know what it it might be? Maybe Lando Norris is kind of like the 2014 Chicago Cubs where he's young, inexperienced, and kind of has a pretty good time. And then next year will be like the 2015 Cubs where they get better. They make the playoffs. They defeat the St. Louis Cardinals in the only playoff series that the okay. teams have ever faced okay. off in, all and right. then in 2016, he's ready to go.
2: All right, all right. If you guys want, I'm
3: shocked it took 55 <laughs> minutes for the Cubs to
0: become this episode. I, <laughs> I held out as long as I could, John. <laughs> and as a Sox fan, I hate all of those conversations. So hey, you I know, you.
2: you know what? The enemy of my enemy is my friend, though. So you know, I don't that hate the true. Sox.
0: Very- <laughs> oh, there's been many days where I've cheered for the Cardinals and the Brewers and everybody else. <laughs> Sorry, James.
2: Uh, it took a, it took us forty eight minutes to get to that point. I am shocked. I am shocked that we didn't just open up with that. You know, maybe maybe they're like the twenty eighteen nineteen St Louis Blues, where you know you get put in that pressure cooker early in the season. You're last in the league. You come forward. You know you don't even have to beat you don't even have to beat the Chicago Blackhawks because they ain't making the playoffs. But you got it. You run on a you'll get on a nice run. You bring that Stanley Cup home. <laughs> The first one ever. Yeah, first one ever. Let's let's not look at semantics here. <laughs> yeah, that's <let's>, a <laughs> banner. Yeah, let's let's not talk about lack of banners, Mister Cubs fan who just flexed on the Cardinals. <laughs>
3: <laughs> uh, James
2: you forgot about that, honey. Huh? <laughs> yeah, you forgot. You forgot about our eleven other ones. <laughs> All right, so uh, let's run. Th- let's run through the other teams just quickly. Let's just go bang bang because. Um, uh, Renault uh, start out with a bit of a letdown. Uh, neither Hulk nor Ricardo figured out a way to make it to Q three, going 12th and 14th. Uh, Ricardo collides with Magnussen, damages his wing, has a nice recovery drive, finishes to sixth place. Hulk grabs a five second time penalty for overtaking under safety car at the line, finishes uh, in the out of the points. Uh, Renault was just kind of there. I feel like I would talk more about them if it was a, a France race, but this race they were just kind of that. That is par for the course for this race, isn't it?
0: Yeah, yeah. The only time we see him is when something stupid's happening. So, they're either blowing up or Danny Rick's uh, unfortunately these days taking somebody out. So.
2: <laughs> you yeah, th- uh,
0: and as a Danny Rick fan, I can say that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you think you think uh, you think Renault sends like flowers to Ferrari because they would be the biggest the biggest crap show in F one if Ferrari wasn't being Ferrari this year. <laughs> like, th- well,
0: I mean, Claire. Claire's got to be just blessing you know, thanking all of her blessing because all the attention is suddenly off of her again. No doubt, so, <laughs> we not. To, nobody's talking about Williams anymore. So, <laughs>
2: uh, m- moving on. Uh, Haas started out hot. I thought I was shocked. Both Haas cars made it to Q three. I, I put a, I put on the outline when I was watching the uh, the Qualies uh, on Saturday. I'm like, that might be the shock of the weekend. <laughs> and, uh, little did I know, but uh, you know, Haas gonna Haas. 2019 Haas is gonna the 2019 Haas. Would you guys believe they didn't figure out their tires? I know, what a shocker.
0: <laughs> who would have thought? Who would
2: have, who would have thought? Gee, I just came out of nowhere, I swear. Uh, P11, P13, um, that's actually not too bad in terms of Haas, but, you know, uh, not not great considering, you know, you made it to Q3. Uh, Alpha had their best weekend in probably the year thinks is some decent luck they stayed out of some incidents in the closing laps you didn't see much of them or anything at all i can't remember seeing alpha or racing point this uh this this weekend but uh alpha alpha uh finished uh kimmy in fourth giovanni in fifth alpha is the second highest point scoring team this weekend that is (laughs) mind-blowing
0: yeah it's pretty crazy yeah uh I I And you know on a weekend too that on, on a weekend that Kenny Ma Kenny Rikkonen matches Fernando Alonso for number two on the all time start lists. I mean, he's this is like the longest streak of his period of his career where you know he's he's had this little slump going on. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm thankful that on the weekend that he matches Fernando at a three hundred and twelve starts, uh, you know what, just what eleven behind Rubens at this point? Hmm. I'm glad a P4. I mean, yeah,
2: I'll take that. Alpha does not belong in P4. So Kimmy just <laughs> Kimmy drove the wheels off it. <laughs> no, no way they belong in P4.
0: Uh, Gia 5 definitely doesn't belong in P5. No, sure.
2: no, no. <laughs> uh, Toro also managed to produce uh, what will surely be the most iconic moments of 2019. Probably the most iconic moment in the history of, of their of their team. Uh, as they go forward, um, obviously we talked about Pierre Gasly. He qualified lost in all this is that he qualified P6, which is already like what? Um, but so he redeemed himself. He got taken off of the wall of shame. Uh, we we moved the Ferrari's already on the wall of shame, but we moved Ferrari up to their place to the Pierre Gasly's empty spot in a symbolic gesture. Um, I. I put on here, does this prove the Honda PU is back? And I think if there was a question before, there's not now, especially going into the next year when, when you have another cycle of development. Um, Daniel Kavilla, w- did he race? He was somewhere. He, he did things, I guess.
1: <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, I think he Well, he finished technically, what, in, in 10th? So got mm-hmm. a point there, but I, I didn't yeah. see him the entire race. I have no idea what he did or anything else. If it wasn't for the scoring pylon, I would have not known he existed. T- typically – like Slant Stroll or someone like that, you mm-hmm. know, like the same same banner. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, so as guys who actually, we have one more team to cover. But uh, as guys, you know, you guys produce your own podcast, no duh. But uh, you, you guys, I often find myself. I'm like, it's hardest to write about Racing Point because Williams, at the very least, you can poke fun at like how bad they are. Racing Point is just kind of there <laughs> they don't do much like lance stroll doesn't do much the car isn't good enough to allow either driver to really make an impression racing point this weekend no different if you would have told me that both those cars weren't even on the grid i probably would have believed you
3: yeah yeah we just yeah them things got so a bad bag. a while back
0: yeah, we we actually had to add Lance Stroll into our predictions every week just to give a, an opportunity to mention them, because it's like, will Lance Stroll get out of Q1, yes or no? No. Nope. Which, uh, James, by the way, you lost to that particular one. Just uh, <coughs> FYI. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I sucked with my gut on that and said no, and uh, he did not disappoint starting in P17. <laughs>
2: Uh, speaking of, speaking of disappointments, Williams was Williams. The only interesting note for me, uh, well, there are actually, there are actually a couple interesting notes. Uh, one of them was obviously Kubica and company earning their Mercedes power unit by pulling out right in front of Max Verstappen. <laughs> like <laughs> you, you think Toto was like, you know, over in Germany and just like, Hey guys, all right, here's what I want you to do. All right. You guys want, you know, a million dollars off the next, off the next engine. you, gotcha, Boo. Here's all you got to do. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, there had to have been a text message flying over there to Claire's, uh, ter- Claire's uh, personal cell right before the pit stops. But <laughs> right. I don't put that on Kibitza. So obviously, he probably has no idea, and we all know that Formula One mirrors are, they might as well not even be there. No. But uh, the <laughs> fact that he came out and then literally went all the way to the wall, it was like the weirdest motion. Uh, like, he'd almost yeah. think he knew Max was there, like <laughs> the way it looked. I'm sure he didn't, mm-hmm. but dang, wow. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah. Well, and like, uh, you know, some of it, so some of it's like, man, he flew out there. But to me, the guy who messed up was, was whoever's operating that light who looked down the looked down the lane, saw ten feet between them and Max Verstappen, and went, "Yeah, we're good."
0: Yeah, you got to put that <laughs> on the team entirely. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> Someone's getting fired today,
2: <laughs> or or they're getting that they're getting a little cut of that you know million dollars off the next Mercedes unit. Uh, somebody might be getting a promotion.
0: James, what was it you said during the race? Like, Claire's got her GoFundMe page out to pay the spine coming your yeah. way. She's,
3: she's walking around with a uh, hat trying to get everybody to pitch into the kitty. <laughs> Whatever it takes, right?
2: Uh, Lord Lord, oh. Lord, knows they actually do need that money. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> More uh, than we can even say. Yeah. <laughs> I I'm I'm like over here, you know, not making you no know, I'm not making it done. I'm fresh out of college. I you know, I'm not making big bucks and I'm like, "Man, maybe if I just donated a couple bucks to the these these poor Williams guys this Christmas, you know, I could I could feel better about myself."
0: You know, I do have to say though, Williams does have the best ice cream on the grid because Dakota, I don't know if, you, if you guys heard our review if poda, mm-hmm. um, after the race they were handing out ice cream to the fans on, on at the podium. So James yeah, the no. missed out. He was off wandering around <laughs> taking pictures of I don't know confetti on the ground or something like that. But, <laughs> but, but yeah, I you know whatever it takes to win fans. If it, if ice cream is what it takes, then that's that's what you got to do.
2: That's the only way they're involved in the podium whatsoever this year, I would think. <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> Some random woman in a in a Williams shirt saying, "You know, I, when I saw the crowd of people running towards her, I'm like, oh, this has got to be something good, like some kind of merchandise, some kind of shirt or hat or something." No, it's ice cream, but I'm I'm not complaining. It was it was tasty on a warm day in Austin, Texas. I
2: will tell you what, if they give those out, I don't even like ice cream, but if they give those out over in Austria next year, I I, I will I will grin and bear it for ice cream. <laughs> All right, well, uh, final final mention. What's up? <laughs>
0: Oh, Santa, We're instantly jealous if if you're going to Austria. That's
2: yeah. yeah. I I actually haven't been to an F race, uh, F one race. Uh, I've always, I've followed it since about high school, but I haven't actually been to one. And I just have an active passport from traveling uh, as much as I do. So I was just like, yeah, let's go big or go home. Let's just you know save up money. I can go to Austin. You know, most years, but let's just—I I, got—I got no girlfriend. All right, I got—I got you know no ties. My bills are low. Let's let's do this while I still can, and then rope yeah, a now. yep rope, rope <laughs> a friend in, rope a friend in, so I can split the costs down the middle. It's all good. But uh, final... Nice.
0: That's how you got to do it.
2: Yeah. Final, final driver mentioned, George Russell, uh, takes home a respectable P12. Uh, I I thought that was an, a pretty good result from a Williams. Obviously, it was aided by, you know, every driver behind him had either crashed or been involved in a crash. So, but, you know, P12, that's not bad for Williams.
0: No, no, he'll take... That's a win for him, probably. Yeah.
2: <laughs> well, I think every weekend where you have to race against Robert Kibica in 2019 is probably going to be a moral victory, but... <laughs> All right. Well, uh, we're gonna we're gonna take a short little break. We'll be right back in a second. That was your Brazil GP review, the longest review in uh, in in the formation. The formation outlap is that what we'll call this in the formation outlap history? Fifty nine twenty five <laughs> is our final review time. We'll be back with uh, some news and awards. Right up here on the Formation Lab on 101 ESPN, the
1: Formation Lab.
2: Welcome back, everybody, to the Formation Outlap podcast. Yeah, I really like that. Actually, I, I quite like that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, uh,
0: I'll do this again. Yeah, well, we Pen-pending. will.
2: I'm, I'm having I'm having quite a bit of fun with you guys. This is this is nice. <laughs> yeah, so we're having a good time. Yeah, it's I, a good. You time.
0: Know. All you know, you are from St. Louis, but that's besides that. We got past that, you know, 20 yeah. minutes ago. We're I we're am, all we're all in Portugal again.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, we'll just acknowledge we have the better flag, and that I wore a short sleeve t-shirt
0: oh, to work. That's where I draw the line. Yeah, that's you've where gone I too far. Well, I had to Google the St. Louis flag because I never heard of it, nor seen it, nor knew you had a flag. I, you know, I feel like. I'll give you the Cubs stuff. As a Sox fan, you can rip on the Cubs all you want. Go for it. We can spend
3: another hour talking about the Cubs, but
0: I got to draw the line at the flag, guys. Come
3: on. Yes. Uh, I had never seen it before either until you mentioned that. So I looked it up and it's just like, looked like somebody who's trying to draw some lines and had a stroke or something. <laughs>
2: Oh, co- coming from the city that's just let's put four stars on a flag because that's real original, guys. Uh, those are very meaningful stars. Yeah, and so are, <laughs> so is the joining of the two rivers with the gold with the gold circle representing the Louisiana Purchase and the fleur de lis, the French city's rich French history that we like to butcher oh, yeah. when we pronounce French,
3: it. French French stuff, real sweet.
2: Yeah, okay. Okay. You know what? We just talked about Pierre Gasly. St. Louis claims Pierre Gasly's P two. <laughs>
3: Uh for those of
2: you over in Europe, uh St. Louis and Chicago don't really like each other on just about anything. Um we're very friendly but bitter rivals in sports. Like we're in sports we don't come to blows over it, but like we really don't like each other. So that, that's that's your back that's your backstory. St. Louis doesn't like Chicago on vice Versailles, so but you know what? It's that little brother yeah, that syndrome. we
0: did reverse our river to literally send uh <laughs> Know, our waste to your city as well so oh, I, I feel okay. like that rivalry started a long time ago before the sports world happened yeah much. yeah
2: like this little rivalry <laughs> dates back hundreds of years
0: we don't claim that part <laughs> we apologize for that you know <laughs> <laughs>
2: All right. You know, you know what I say? Uh you know, I moved over to to Kansas for a while. They were like, "You're from St. Louis. Isn't it dangerous? What about East St. Louis?" I'm like, "That's Illinois' problem. Thank you. Okay. That is that is <laughs> not point. our problem." <laughs> <laughs> we got enough
0: of those problems.
2: <laughs> okay. Let's uh let's uh, dig into it uh in IndyCar news. Spencer Piggott is out of a seat at Ed Carpenter Racing. The IndyCar silly season is insane so far it's going to continue to be insane obviously the the (laughs) roger pinsky's purchase was maybe the biggest news story in motorsports uh this year but uh indycar silly season it's it's been a 10 out of 10 it's going to be better than the f1 silly season because there's not much to figure out but uh Spencer Piggott says, to be fair to Ed, although we shook hands at Laguna shortly after, he did warn me that he may need a driver with funding. That's the situation we've been at since then. And now I just got home from talking to Ed when he informed me that that would be the case. Piggott's gone. Uh, The team will continue to share the number 20 car between Ed Jones and Ed Carpenter himself. Ed Carpenter obviously races. He doesn't race a full schedule, so he splits that with Ed Jones. He is the team owner, though, so he can basically do whatever he wants. That is a full-time car, though, so it's been in every race this season. The 21 of Piggott is a full-time car. It's open. The 63 car, which they do own, only run, has only run the Indy 500, so that's just an extra car for them to take on a driver. Um, Carpenter's the stepson of Tony George, um, so Tony George obviously uh, owned IndyCar, car leader, of the Holman family Indianapolis Motor Speedway, which obviously got sold. If you've you know been living under under a rock in America, that was big news. So I think there's a little bit of tie here that that. Maybe with the with the Holman family gone, there's some dynamics that need changing. They do need a pay driver coming in. The move uh, the move looks to be Renus VK, who finished second Indy Lights series uh, last season. Oliver Askew, the number one driver, and him were very neck and neck. Oliver Askew is going to McLaren or McLaren Schmidt Peterson. No, Schmidt Peterson, Arrow, McLaren, because it's spam. Uh, Say that with one word.
0: <laughs> yeah. Keep saying that if <laughs> uh, it, it's a mouthful.
2: Just, it's going to be McLaren, guys. Like I, It's I, called I,
0: McLaren, yeah.
2: Yeah, I'll do respect to Schmidt Peterson, but it's McLaren, and I will also maybe accept Arrow, McLaren, but Schmidt Peterson, come on, guys. Like, it, uh, my word. Shorten the name at the very least. Anyway, but yeah, uh, Renus VK looks to be the, uh, the replacement, although Nico Holkenberg. Guys, he's been rumored to be connected to IndyCar. That's all scuttlebutt at this point because, uh, Ed Carpenter said, I'm not ready to comment on our lineup outwardly, but that part is false. And I, I really do believe him. One, because he just came out and denied it. But two, Nico Holkenberg, and, you know, you guys can probably chime in on this. You guys probably know he, he's not a fan of, of driving ovals. And I don't think he wants to drive ovals. He'll be a road only car. That's a full time seat. So, uh, Either you convince Nico Hulkenberg to, you know, race at Texas, which is a big ask for a lot of these F1 drivers, or he's not racing in that seat, right?
0: Well, yeah, I mean, obviously with the aero coming in, things like that, you know, you hope that you attract, you know, some more talent over to IndyCar, some of these big guys, uh, and keep merging them in the direction of America. Obviously, it's it's good for IndyCar. It's, we love it, America, to, to bring in more and more talent uh, into the States, but yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a huge point. Nico, I think, came out very clearly and said he's not running ovals, which you know, that's half your calendar there. Um, the other factor is, too, I, I'm curious as to what kind of backing, financial backing Nico has. Mm-hmm. It's never really been documented. I know that there was talks that he was asking for ridiculous amounts of sum of money uh, uh, when it came to his, his yearly salary. Um, and I think he was I mean, a little taken back that he was making significantly less than his now teammate, Danny Ricardo. Uh, but... Can they afford him over there if he's asking that kind of money can can a team that's hurting for money and, and need financial backing can they afford a driver that's wanting you know Lewis Hamilton type money and, and only running half a calendar like that's just not there's too many too many variables in place for I think that to be feasible uh, unfortunately for Nico.
2: I, I would I would agree. Um if he's asking for Lewis Hamilton money or at least e- even F1 driver money, um he's going to be sorely disappointed when he comes over to IndyCar because uh that's not public how much do drivers make, but it's not a lot. Uh they're they are by no I mean, they're well off, don't get me wrong, but they're not, you know, just making hundreds of millions of dollars or, you know, yeah, Ridiculous money, like you know, a Lewis Hamilton or even a Daniel Ricardo is making. They're not making that much, so uh there might be a bit of a gap there between li- what Nico Hulkenberg wants and what Nico Hulkenberg would get anywhere <laughs> in IndyCar. Yeah, like perhaps
0: she should call Marcus Erickson and, and uh, maybe get a little friendly financial advice in the world of <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah,
2: I, I would, I would think that if you're in it for the money, IndyCar is not the move. If you're in it just because you enjoy racing. uh I mean the the way that that series is set up to be so tight year in and year out is is where you would go if you're just like, you know, I I just want to race and forget about the money. And I don't think he's money-centric, but if he's asking for that much, it, it's just not a natural match at all.
0: Up next – Yo, know, I mean you think like, – Oh, yeah. Go go like, ahead. Sorry to cut you off. Just, just real fast. I mean for guys that's never been on a podium, you brought up a great point. IndyCar is the place to be. If you want to race, you want to be competitive, you want a mm. chance to stand at the top of the podium. That's where you go. And you know, he needs to he needs to really take a step back and say, okay, am, am I trying to? I'm sure he's well off, and he, if he's not financially well off, then he needs to call somebody at this point in his career. Yeah, no kidding. But you know, with the years he has left, if he wants to just enjoy racing and have fun and maybe get a trophy here or two, the uh, IndyCar is a great opportunity for that. So. It's a shame if that is if nothing works out in that regard.
2: Mhm. I wonder if that no oval rule would apply to the Indy 500. Because I feel like I feel like Alonso would be iffy on most of the ovals like especially at Texas, but I mean, he ran the 500 and Alonzo, Alonso at least outwardly and in, in a public, you know, in a PR sense is all about that race. He loves that race and I don't know if anybody who's ever, you know, come over to do that race It's not like, oh, this is this is something entirely, you know, different. I wonder. I wonder if he would, if he's maybe not not a full time ride next year, or a part time ride. I wouldn't be shocked though if he's a seat in the five hundred.
0: That would be cool to see. I would be tuning in. i maybe buying a ticket myself. So,
2: oh, if yeah, you if you guys go be to beautiful the, to see. If you guys go to the five hundred, hook up me, hook up with with us. We we go every year. It is just something absolutely magical all right yeah so, i haven't
0: been since the 100th running and, oh that, uh, was gr- to go back. So that was a good that was a great time we'll connect on that for sure
2: <laughs> you know i i came in a alexander rossi fan i was rooting for him in that race and that was one of, one of the most insane sporting events i've ever been to and then last year uh, i don't know if you guys heard our first ever episode we interviewed simon pagino and uh i know right like first ever episode i was like what okay well, good for you guys <laughs> yeah i know <laughs> uh but uh Anyway, but then we interviewed Simon Pagino and he signed a hat. So I was I was at last year's race with a Simon Pagino signed hat and my Alexander Rossi like jersey shirt. <laughs> and like I was losing my mind for the last half of that race.
0: Such <laughs> so a good race. Yeah. Uh, it's iconic. You got if you haven't ever been there, you need to you gotta put it on your bucket list for sure, without question. For yeah, sure. Yeah, I wanna check it out for sure
2: yeah all right let's move on to back to the world of formula one ross braun called the ferrari drivers to be more like lewis hamilton and uh no that's not as like inflammatory or as silly as it seems he actually brings up a a good point and hints at something maybe deeper so let's Let's read his quote over here. In the cold by day, it would be good if one of the Ferrari drivers follow Hamilton's example and just admit culpability, as the champion did regarding his clash with Albon. And to, we talked about this earlier. To give Hamilton credit, he did set a, a very positive example. He didn't even fight it. Like Even if you go, Ugh, yeah, that was that was really an unfortunate incident, you still fight that behind the scenes. He didn't do that by all reports. So Hamilton did something good there. Uh, Braun continued on and goes, if Ferrari really wants to put an end to Mercedes' dominance, not only does it need to follow doesn't need to provide its drivers with a more competitive car next year, it must also ensure that incidents like incidents like this one are not repeated. And I think that's really the meat of the quote here is um the turmoil surrounding Ferrari. I think the internal clash of cultures of races of the fact that, you know, Harry Potter as you guys call him isn't exactly running the tightest ship. Uh I think that that is a bigger hamper towards Ferrari's struggles than even the car.
0: Oh yeah, completely agree. You, if if you are going to beat the the king of the hill, then things need to go perfectly for you. So twenty twenty, you, you know, you've you've already got to to. to Fight against so much things when it comes to reliability and, and those things. There's some things obviously out of, out of your control, but what little things you can control, you have to make sure you're maximizing every one of those opportunities, or else you will not win. And we you know we'll see, you know, uh constructors championships being wrapped up with what four or five races to go in the season. That you you cannot allow that to happen if you're a Ferrari. These things are unacceptable. And you're right, you're never going to to beat these guys and dethrone them uh, if if any of that stuff continues in the next year.
2: Yeah, I, I I would, I would absolutely agree with that, and I think you know Ross Braun is on our Wall of Fame over there, and uh, you know, blessed be the Wall of Fame. I can't genuflect because it's not in the same room right now. So I mean, it's, it's, you know, you guys know we really do bow before the uh, the Wall of Fame. It's, it's not, it's not an act. I saw your video the (laughs) other
0: day of uh, of Pierre getting. uh pulled off there I, I appreciated that it was uh
3: let's <laughs> check that
2: g- out it g- gives yeah. you gives you guys a nice like scope of like no it actually exists and we do <laughs> it's it's in a room i'm surprised nobody at corporate's been like why are you pinning holes in our in our walls <laughs> but you know nobody said anything so <laughs> but uh ross braun i mean this is why he's a wall of famer is because he's a very level-headed guy and i don't think anybody for i mean even tofosi members can disagree with one of them or both of them need to just go, you know what, I admit at least partial blame, if not complete blame, you know, like, hands up, we shouldn't have done that, we're stupid, let's move on. Um, I think that, you know, he, he's on to something, basically, he, he's a level-headed guy, called him out exactly, you know, to a T.
0: Yeah, to, to make a comparison to like American sports, he needs to take that that QB approach, you know, when your receiver drops the ball five times and the the quarterback still gets up there, uh, and the press after the game and, and says, "Like oh, this is on me. I I need to be better prepared. I need to read the routes better. Uh, you know, I need to to complete passes better." That's what a true leader does. They just they even when even when the outside world clearly knows it's not their fault. You know they man up and 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 take the blame and and do what's best for the team. Mm. Um, and that's clearly not happening over there in Ferrari
2: at the moment. Clearly not. I I see how it is with you Chicago folks. We just get over the flag fight, and you got to bring in the football with this. You know I'm still bitter. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, I'd rather have and no I, football team than the Bears this year. Ooh, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's
0: been a painful year. Yeah, my hundredth uh, anniversary jerseys are. Are looking? They're just staring me down every day when I when I go into my room at home and just like ah oh, curse you for that purchase you I, I, I ruined it but oh well you Anyways. know I
2: believed in you guys I I have quite a few bears or I have the Bears defense and, and a couple uh, an IDP and uh, I had a running back at one point from the Bears and uh, on my fantasy team so I believed in you guys but man you know just you got to find somebody better than Mitch Trubisky that's for sure speaking yeah. of segways Anyways, move it on. <laughs> yeah speaking of yeah, segways <laughs> circuit park zandvoort has revealed that the final corner of the track will indeed be banked it's a doozy so uh you got, i mean everybody knows f1's going to, to zandvoort uh if anybody listening hasn't looked up a track map of a map of it one come on you, you look that up the day it's announced if you haven't already seen it it's a real tight and twisty thing that it's a real tight and twisty course that really doesn't make much sense for formula one especially in today's age so they said they're gonna bank the final turn which is a a very long and it should be now flat out uh the final quarry the Ari lewendyke corner will be banked you guys ready for this 18 degrees that's that is there yeah that, that's a michigan international speedway uh oh. That's twice. That's two indies. Like I, that is. Whew. That's that's quite a bit.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm absolutely thrilled about this news. I, I don't think that circuit, at least like you said in the current format, is, is may not necessarily be the best for overtaking. Uh, but the event next year is going to be spectacular to watch. Um, you know, hopefully 2021 we shake things up, there's going to be hopefully a lot of tracks in the calendar we think are nah, not so great for overtaking that suddenly turn into be. But this is going to be, uh, you know, if I could be there, I, I certainly would just for the opportunity to see Formula One cars at full speed going on a bank curve. Uh, it just brings back all the history of, you know, the olden days uh, of true grit tracks that we, we've lost, unfortunately, over the years.
2: It, that is, if you can even see anything through all the – orange that will surely be at the track <laughs> yeah,
0: good point all the smoke screen everything else yeah the tv coverage may be
2: terrible for Ooh. all we know but <laughs> my tv's gonna have orange permanently burnt into it <laughs>
0: right exactly wiping cameras the whole time it's gonna be a mess but
2: uh, so the uh, zandvoort ceo robert van overdeek uh, said the corner will be banked 32 percent which is the same as 18 degrees the difference in height to bottom will be from the the difference in height from the bottom to the top bleh, will be around four and a half meters. That's considerable. We're making an American corner on an otherwise European circuit. That's absolutely unique. He also said that the third corner, Hugenholtz, uh, I am not pronouncing that right, but I, I also don't speak Dutch. And <laughs> Sounds good to me. Yeah, I'm, I'm not even going to pretend to with it. know how to speak Dutch, except for that I can't. <laughs> uh, but he said that the the third corner, Hugenholtz, will also be banked, not to that degree, but it's going to uh, – it will be, quote, made parabolic so that two cars can get through the corner next to each other and, more importantly, at the same speed. The ba- very, banking will vary, so I think like a variable banking NASCAR uh, – tr- Turn between eight and eighteen percent for that purpose. So, I mean, we said it's not exactly a, a track that you know. You you look at Formula One and you go, yeah, they should race there, but the ways they're changing it to me makes sense in terms of like, yeah, that's that's how you make a track better. That's the right idea at the very least.
0: Yeah, I mean, this track is it's like the only. I've seen some recent videos. I think Max Verstappen did some demo laps there, maybe a couple of years ago with his dad. And even then, before prior to the changes, it just looked incredible. It looked like a a real driver's track. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm I'm stoked to be. You know, I'm a gamer, and I, I unfortunately they're gonna rope me into buying another another years of uh, F1 they 2020 for the new tracks. But Yeah, they always find a way to get me, but these changes will be, I think, incredible to watch, and, uh, you know, yeah, I'm excited. I'm very, very excited for this.
2: You're telling me that the Vietnam GP isn't enough to get you to uh, buy the new F1 video game? (laughs) (laughs) You don't want to hold the the R2 button for, you know, 18 straight minutes? Right, exactly.
0: (laughs) DRS, DRS, okay, yep. (laughs)
2: Uh, yeah, that's the thing, yeah, man. You go, you go and look at onboards on Sandfort, and even though I, you know, I make the statement that Formula One isn't the best fit as it is right now, pre-renovations, um, that track is incredible. It's awesome. Go look at an onboard of, uh, of Vietnam, which is the other new track, and you will, you will just be put the put to sleep.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm curious to see what the the runoffs are going to look like. I know historically speaking, I think there's been a lot of uh, sand, gravel type mm-hmm. areas um I'm wondering you know I'm hoping that there's not too much of a change on that but I'm I'm hoping that it's going to be a situation kind of an old school mentality where if, if you want to make an overtake you've got to make a proper risk and do it mm-hmm. um you know I I certainly uh, respect the runoff areas at tracks and you know obviously know their purposes and things of that nature but it is nice when you know that you've got to be so precise in in your overtake and, and really <laughs> you know Ban up and, and go for something that may not necessarily be the the safest move. You know, don't be a Valtteri botas and be so precise. Really stick one in there, and you know if it pays off, it's gonna be glorious. And if it doesn't, you know it's, it's probably gonna be the end of your day. But I I kind of like those old school tracks like that. So I like that they're mixing it back in and into the the, the calendar.
2: All right, so one last bit of news before we kick it into the awards show. Race director Michael Masi has opened up about why Carlos Sainz was not penalized for opening DRS under the double yellow during the Botas incident. Um, He did say that um – there was a lengthy debate for bri- in the drivers briefing regarding the use of DRS when it comes to ind- indicating uh, that they're slowing down under yellow. The debate reached the consistent the consensus that uh, it does not indicate slowing down and therefore could result in a penalty. But there is no mention of that specifically in the rules. It's, it's a very big gray area, and uh, his quote was, we looked at it, uh, with, the, and the overriding factor with the double-waved yellow flags is the requirement to slow and significantly slow, and that was what we looked at with all of them. He mentioned there were about eight cars that did this, and all of them complied with that requirement of slowing and significantly slowing, and yeah, a couple of them did activate DRS for a relatively short period of time, but we'll just call that muscle memory was his quote, and I... I like McLaren a lot. I try and remain completely impartial because, you know, I'm, I'm trained to just not root for the teams I'm covering. But I, even if I remove my my bias towards McLaren, I I really do like that. I think that, that handing out 6 or what 8 penalties for that would be a little ridiculous and it didn't change anything in the race. It wasn't a huge advantage because it was a double waved yellow flag, so I I I like that. I think that was a, that's a good bit of of leeway with the rules what do you guys think about that that call
3: i'm, I'm glad for it um as that was coming out as we started talking hearing about how lewis was for sure going to get a five second penalty it's like if they award him this podium spot and then take it away right after it's going to be really really big bummer so uh i'm glad they let it slide um i think it makes sense so no argument for me james yeah
0: i'm i'm good with a little common sense uh in in the role applying i mean there's a lot of things that I wish Formula 1 to be a little bit more black and white on uh, and not so much gray area. But I think when, when necessary, I think you do have to apply common sense to to this world, and, and I'm glad that they did so in this case. That would have been a nasty uh, post-race presser with – you know, nine, ten guys getting penalties when it all comes said and done. We we change the podium two or three times. Like, that's just ridiculous. So I'm glad it it didn't come to that.
2: Mm -hmm. I I definitely agree. I I think that that's one thing that in the era of missing Charlie Whiting, uh, that that common sense has had to be reexamined and brought back a little bit in the interpretations of the rules. So I'm good to see what I would consider just a classic Charlie Whiting move of, you know, it's whatever. Just move on all right so let 's let 's move on to the award show. We have a double dosage of awards here um, we're, We usually start with the old man rant, uh, but tim isn 't here. Uh, he had to leave for personal reasons, uh, so we 're wishing the best to to him and uh, his wife so uh, shout out to to him I uh, hope you 're doing well, partner. Uh, so we're gonna we're gonna punt that towards next time. I think next time we have you guys on, we're gonna make you do the old man rant. Um, that will that'll be fun. Let's do it. Dude. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. It, it's fun. You just have to argue with something you really don't agree with for a minute and a half, and just get into it. <laughs> it it really like purges that that primal anger in you that there's just like you know what that was stupid. Let's do this. But uh, we're gonna. <laughs> We're going to kick it off. Uh, Do you guys want to start with Wreck of the Week or the People's Champion or one of you guys' awards? Let's do Wreck of the Week. Yeah. All right. It's time for the Wreck of the Week. All right. So uh, Wreck of the Week, uh, for your guys' listeners who might not have heard this before, uh, Wreck of the Week is Wreck... By any definition possible So if You know somebody pulled a Kelvin Benjamin And showed up 40 pounds overweight To the race you know That guy's a fat wreck he's up for wreck of the week If Renault crashes their Semi you know on the way to Hungary That's a bad wreck that's wreck of the week You guys are a wreck of a team so It's not legitimately crash it can Also just be a crash But uh, we have two nominees right Now I know uh, maybe you guys Have some other ones that you'd like to and we just solve it by voting all right it's a, it's a majority vote and if you t- if we tie we have to argue it out until one of us seats so uh <laughs> <laughs>
0: sounds like a plan all right all
2: right uh i will take the first nominee uh ferrari ferrari is is a nominee for record of the week I, I just put ferrari gonna ferrari what what might have to change um is they're on the wall of shame which usually means they can't win record of the week but i'm pulling an exception card out because this is just a spectacular destruction this is a spectacular fiasco even by their standards so i'm nominating ferrari uh when you guys want to take the next one
0: james go for it buddy
3: you know i'm a ferrari guy but i'm never uh slow to to bring it up when they when they screw something up which unfortunately is a little more often than i than i'd like but uh yeah i'm riding with you on this one ferrari uh 100 for me is wreck of the week so
2: we have we have another nominee is Mercedes. Uh, they're a strong contender. They had a strategy or mechanical failure, grabbed a time penalty. You know they made a strong case for wreck of the week, but uh, I'm going to go Ferrari as well. Uh, it, if it was any other week, for Mercedes might have grabbed that, but <clears throat> Ferrari. Yeah,
0: I was saying if you take out the Ferrari mess, I think hands down this goes to Mercedes without a question. But yeah, no, it's hard to hard to ignore the double DNF and everything that happens before and after so
2: yeah, it, <laughs> oh, yeah all right so uh you guys might want to turn your uh turn your headphones down because we're doing this over skype and i am about to announce that it is time for the
3: people's champion that was incredible <laughs> thank you thank you thank you for the heads up
2: let me go let me go sip my water a little bit here oh that's quite refreshing <laughs> All right, so the people's champion is—it's is, it, exactly what it sounds like. It's not who was the best driver; it's who was the real champion of the people. Right? Uh, we have we have three nominees. You guys want to take, you guys want to nominate your first? Uh, you put somebody on here. So why don't you guys yeah, mine, go with your nominee?
0: Yeah, mine's mine's got to be Red Bull Racing. You know, another world record—one point eight two seconds uh, pit stop for Max Verstappen just when you think these guys can't get any faster they manage to do so uh, uh, i i don't know how you 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 in continue to to shave time off these pit stops and and still manage to get a car out successfully so all props to red bull uh
2: i'm going to nominate uh two here pierre gasly uh he had an unreal comeback performance we all know the stories that have been surrounding him for the first 90 first 20 races of the season or first 19 races of the season have been all incredibly negative for Pierre Gasly, even when he's performing well. It's, yeah, but, because the first half was, I mean, legitimately it was, it was pretty bad. Uh He comes back, he outraces Lewis Hamilton, maybe the greatest driver of all time, to P2. He scores his first ever F1 podium in a Toro Rosso. I I, I really think that that is the strong, the, the strong nominee. And then I also had to give Carlos Sainz a nod because he, he got his, uh, he got his first podium, but uh, my vote is Pierre Gasly. Uh, what, what, what do you guys think? Are you are you on Team Red Bull Racing or on Team Pierre Gasly?
0: Uh, for me, it, I think again if you take out some of these other factors, I have to go Red Bull. But it's hard to ignore Pierre. Pierre versus Carlos. I'm going. I'm going Pierre. We'll give it to the Frenchman.
3: Give a little love.
2: What about, what about you, James? Are you are you feeling uh, Pierre Gasly or Red Bull Racing?
3: Uh this is tough for me. Um, I really, I really don't want to give it to Gasly, but I don't know how I don't.
2: <laughs> it, that's the thing. Is like, it's like it, the champion of the people, man. Ugh. I, I, I are we, are we in consensus that it's two to one, Pierre Gasly over Red Bull Racing? Then.
0: Yeah, I think he takes it. All yes, right. Sir.
2: Congratulations to Pierre Gasly. Round of applause everybody. Uh that was that was a well well- raced job by Pierre Gasly Red Bull Racing uh again would have won in any other week except for this absolute chaos that was this week. I honestly Red Bull Racing has had such a such a interesting season that's been overshadowed by complete fiasco's by other teams that it, it's interesting to me to, to just see the way that their season has ebbed and flowed and with really big ups, really big downs and this week was undoubtedly a huge a huge plus not only with the, with the pit stops but the way that Max dominated. So, people's champion Pierre Gasly though, he's going to win. He's off of the wall of shame. He's not even on probation right now. He's just off, he is a fair target driver and that is that is that is exactly what he needed. All right, so you guys have two awards. I'll let you guys uh introduce them.
3: All right, so uh, first up, we got the uh, Outlap Weekly Analysis Paralysis Award, uh, which John mentioned earlier is kind of um, usually usually leans Ferrari for sure. Um, they probably won it more than any other team or, or driver, um, and, and it isn't even close. But uh, I think we'll get into this one. And, uh, John, why don't you go ahead and go first?
0: Yeah, I figured you would pick me. I think you read my mind. It's uh, unfortunately where I'm going with this. <laughs> I've had to do it a few times this year, even though this is technically the A.K.A. Ferrari Award, but i got to give this to my boys at Mercedes. And, so, you know, like we documented it well throughout the episode, Toto being gone, it just turned into a complete cluster. Uh, pit stops when things shouldn't have been pitted and uh, lack of pits when they should have. So, uh, for, yeah, I'm going to have to nominate my boys at Mercedes Silver Arrows.
3: Well, you know I love agreeing with you when it comes to bashing Mercedes, so I'm going to go ahead and pile on with you. Um, I think <laughs> I that was... <laughs> that was a crazy Sunday for Mercedes. Uh, multiple bad calls, especially that pitting Lewis with only a few laps to go, I think, uh, kind of killed him. was a final nail in the coffin, yeah. so uh, Mercedes for sure.
2: Yeah, I—, I Any
3: uh, nomination?
2: Yeah, I I don't—you ha- know, I don't get the opportunity to pile negative awards on Mercedes often. I have to take advantage of it. I mean, honestly, though,
3: <laughs> yes.
2: jokes aside— I can't think of a of a team that just messed up their strategy worse than Mercedes, especially with that last few laps. So uh, I, I think it's unanimously Mercedes, right?
0: Unfortunately, yeah, it's I'm a beautiful thing. Lick my wounds on that one, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then the uh, the next award that we have, so we'll, we'll call it a little shorter. But uh, we have the weekly rubbish award. So this is typically your your crappiest driver of the week to just struggled. It uh, could be a top runner. Uh, We try to avoid Williams at all possible just because they're low-hanging fruit. Mm-hmm. But, uh, James, who you got for for your rubbish award?
3: Well, speaking of piling on, I'm going to continue on the Mercedes bandwagon here um, and give the weekly rubbish to your boy, Lewis Hamilton, for taking out Ooh. our guy, Alexander Albon. <laughs> all right. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough.
0: Luke, what about you?
2: Uh. <laughs> it's tough for to say lewis but i want to say lewis i think the only other person that you could argue is one of the two ferrari drivers but even then sebastian vettel just had that one moment i feel like lewis just had a whole race of he had two incidents really with the strategy mess up that was ultimately his call and and wrecking right. into albon i i got to get i got to lean towards lewis hamilton here guys
3: ouch all um, right.
0: Well, I'll be the only sane person in the room, and, and I'm going Ferrari. Uh, <clears throat> I just pick one; doesn't matter. Leclerc, Seb. Uh, I'll be a true legit homer on this one. I. Yeah. I, I have to draw the line there guys. Can't can't give it to my boy Lewis on this one. But yeah, even though I am sure he's well deserved, but I have been voted. So Lewis Hamilton
2: it is. Well that know, hurts. Yeah, I it's it's incredible now I know you
0: feel like James every week. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's it's something because like I feel like we don't ever have the opportunity, or at least you don't because you hand out this award weekly, have the opportunity to just consistently be like, "Oh yeah, you know, Lewis Hamilton's, you know, gets the rubbish award." It's a testament to how great he is that we're all shocked that he's getting the award right now, but so be it. <laughs> you know, he yeah. he deserved it. I'm not gonna argue he didn't deserve it.
0: Yep. No. He's it's uh, official. Yeah. Lock it in, write it down. <laughs>
2: <laughs> all right, finally we have uh we have the scuttlebutt sector. Uh I've put down a couple Nico Hulkenberg's Linden Leak to an IndyCar twenty twenty seat. Uh this is not fake news, but just news that might not be from a reliable source. Uh, Nico Hulkenberg linked to an IndyCar seat in 2020. Uh, we talked about that. Roger Penske was supposedly in talks by the Mercedes F1 team who was, you know, they're remaining wishy-washy after 2021 i think that's a play for power but we'll get into that at at some other episode uh it'd be an interesting move for penske to buy uh mercedes after a return to indianapolis and f1 but uh that rumor lasted all of eight hours before he said no i'm not doing that so uh if mercedes is even for sale i consider that a really interesting development but you know we don't know if this is in legitimate news lane it's in scu- it's in the scuttlebutt sector it's in you know the questionable content corner who knows where this is uh we're just saying that those are the rumors and uh finally uh we give out uh every once in a while the best thing i saw all week it's very simple it doesn't even have to be related to racing what was the best thing you guys saw all week
3: james what about you buddy uh, I'm actually going to make mine the best thing I heard all week, mm. and that was the uh, the radio call by Pierre Gasly after he uh, finished second place. That was pretty incredible, just hearing the the raw emotion as he finished. Um, it, it was pretty cool to hear. I
2: I would I would second that, but I can't steal yours, so I'm going to think of another one. John, you got one?
0: Yeah, I'm going to go – I'm going to pull a James here and go the anti-best thing I saw all week, and unfortunately <laughs> I'm going to have to uh, – sorry to kill it to your listeners, but I'm going to have to give it to that St. Louis flag. Oh, <laughs> oh, come on, come on. <laughs> sorry, I, had to be said. I'm turning towards Chicago, Chicago
2: of you, flipping off the general direction. <laughs> Screw you guys.
3: <laughs>
0: this uh, is what happens when I have to think on the fly. It just – it's it's the hate flows, so – apologies in advance
2: you know i'm going to say that the best thing i saw all week was i was downtown a while ago uh i think it was two no it was thursday last week and uh i i was walking downtown towards ballpark village uh, as you do and i looked up and i saw world series champions one two three four five six seven eight nine ten and (laughs) eleven flags eleven flags you know we don't even display flags for the uh for the national league champions because we've just done it too much. We, nobody has that kind of space. So
3: I'm I'm just surprised you can casually walk by dealing with the smell that's emanating from that stadium.
2: We we will <laughs> we will not talk about Matt Carpenter's level of play like that in this
0: area. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness! All right, I want to separate you two. <laughs>
2: You know, the, the Logan call Paul KSI boxing match. We're going to have Outlap F one (laughs) podcast versus the formation lab podcast boxing. Me, me, you, Springfield, Illinois
3: paid a million bucks. I'm down. Yeah. No
2: kidding. Right. (laughs) All right. Well, I think that's going to do it guys. It has been an absolute pleasure having you guys on. Uh,
0: yeah, we appreciate it. Thank you again for, uh, for the opportunity it's been fun chatting with you throughout the season. You know, it was kind of just purely coincidence how we connected mm-hmm. uh online and uh you know it's it's certainly turning into a cool thing. So looking forward to doing uh great things with you guys in the future.
2: Of course, yeah, of course. Definitely. Yeah, you guys all have to come down over to a Worldwide Technology Raceway when IndyCar's in town. Come uh, say hey and take in the race. It'll be it'll be it'll be a good time. <laughs>
3: Well, James is driving. We'll be there. Yeah, there you go.
2: <laughs> <laughs> eh, it's only a five-hour drive. It's not
3: bad. I've, I've made that drive many, many times, so I'm down. Still, All right. Let's plan it. Put it on the books.
2: We'll put it on the books. All right. Well, I will talk to you guys next time. This will not be the last Formation Outlet podcast. For me, I'm Luke.
0: John James signing out. Take care, guys. See you.
1: At Metro, the best deal in wireless is on. Switch to Metro and get one full Amazon Prime membership included every month. Plus, get two free phones from top brands like Samsung and LG with huge HD screens. All with two lines for just 90 bucks. That's the best deal in wireless, only at Metro. Plus, sales tax and activation fee. Requires porting of an eligible number not currently active on T-Mobile Network or active on Metro in the past 90 days. Limit four per account or household. Offer subject to change. Offer valid for new Amazon Prime members. Amazon Prime has a $12.99 per month value. Restrictions apply. See store for details and terms and conditions.